You're listening to Women Making Waves. Dr Nikki D thinks we're not quite there yet with sustainability, but has total faith in a new breed of entrepreneurs and innovators to lead the way forward and talks to Women Making Waves contributor Liz Barker about the opportunities out there. There were just a, a few uncomfortable things for me within the industry at the time. Cambridge is a wonderful place. So we have the crazy academics. We also have the crazy entrepreneurs. One of her very good friends, definitely in the higher income groups in Nigeria, died during childbirth. For years, I would have a, a ratio of one to ten. So one woman to <laughs> ten men. Sometimes I would be mistaken for the event organiser. Dr Nikki D has joined me today. Nikki, thanks for coming on to Women Making Waves. Can you tell me where you studied, first of all? I was at the University of Cambridge and went to Robinson College to begin with. And what did you study? That actually changed. Before I came to Cambridge, I had a scholarship with ICI to do engineering. It's a bit of a long story there, but I ended up switching to natural science. So a natsky, as we would say. I mean, that was what you were more interested in, did you discover? So I guess some of my environmental roots were beginning to show during my time with ICI. I remember going around to various big industrial plants in places like Teesside. And being a slightly awkward soul, I would always ask plenty of questions. I remember one of the chimneys emitting some smoke, for example, asking what it was. And they said, oh, it's water vapour. And I said, well, if it's water vapour, why is it grey? And then they said, well, yes, it's water vapour plus X, Y and Z. And then going round to some of the other big companies that we got to visit and them sort of boasting about the number of people that they'd laid off. And there were just a, a few uncomfortable things for me within the industry at the time. And that prompted me to, to rethink the direction that I was going in. And it seems to be a, a good decision, considering how things have gone. What is your role now? How would you describe your role? I suppose I like to think of myself as an enabler to other people. So I often sit in the background, but my area of speciality is innovation and entrepreneurship for sustainability. So I'm constantly prompting entrepreneurs and innovators, helping them make connections and helping them to scale up their enterprises. So you must meet a lot of very interesting people and, and see and be aware of a lot of things that perhaps we're only just catching up with. You've kind of been ahead of the times a bit, really. Cambridge is a wonderful place. So we have the crazy academics. We also have the crazy entrepreneurs. So it's a bit of a bubble. So I would say that Cambridge is typically in its thinking, if you could you know, reduce it to that, on the forefront. And it's, it's lovely to be a part of that. So tell me, I mean, it must be really inspiring and it must actually kind of be a nice feeling to know that there's all this kind of good work going on or at least wanting to happen and you're a part of that. That must be a really satisfying experience. It is a great joy talking to these entrepreneurs. But I think what is important to understand, having an idea is is really not the most critical element. A lot of people talk about ideas in this space, but the thing that we really need is scale up. And that's where interesting opportunities with companies like Unilever can be absolutely critical. And hopefully where people like me, I can help shift that organisation into a different gear and one that's ready for scale.
That's interesting. So the clip you sent me, which yes. we'll talk about, um, it was a news clip on the BBC and it was one of your entrepreneurs is trying to, to help women in Nigeria uh, when they go into labour. So uh, there was a statistic that 118 mothers are dying each day, yeah. which is horrendous in this day and age. And she's come up with a, a health kit because they're obviously they have their culture, they have their superstitions to a certain extent, but they don't have sort of trained medical care during childbirth. She's distributed, what, 500,000 of these kits? So exactly, she's distributed um, half a million of the kits. And while the clip I sent you really focuses on these kits, they actually do much more than that. So in the rural areas of Nigeria, they do not have trained midwives. They have what they call birth attendants. And they will often be using local remedies from various different things that they're cooking up to try and help alleviate um, some of the problems that you get in childbirth and then also through the early infant's life. Two of the main causes of maternal death in childbirth, one of them is infection, the other one is haemorrhage. So this kit basically deals with both of those issues. And when they go into a local community... They train those birth attendants and they also give them a way of getting those kits out to the mothers because each of the kits can only be used once. And are they being used? Is it making a difference? Is there any way of knowing? One of the complexities which we often forget here is that um, many of these birth attendants don't read or write, so it's quite difficult monitoring. So what the organisation have already done is developed a, a basic handbook with images so that people can mark against them what's happening and as I said, it also goes beyond the women into the first thousand days of a child's life. So they can also track that. One of the biggest killers of children is diarrhoea, which is crazy. Peju, who is the entrepreneur, she's absolutely fantastic. She's one of the few Nigerians that I've met who actually turns up on time, which I think says something. But yeah, absolutely brilliant. She was lovely to have around. She did a a wonderful job at her pitch, and she actually ended up winning the top prize of this um, Unilever Awards programme. And is she someone that was living in Nigeria and could see the problem firsthand, or is she someone here that knew about it? What was her you know, drive? Very simple, but in a, in a very sad way. So she's from Lagos. She is Nigerian, and uh, one of her very good friends, definitely in the higher income groups in Nigeria, died during childbirth. And she was really shocked by this and she couldn't help but think, my goodness, if if my friend who has access to better facilities has died during childbirth, what does it mean for people who have no facilities at all? So she is a trained lawyer and she stopped that profession and started up this enterprise. What is the ratio of men to women in your line of work? Is it very one-sided? Yeah, so I'm a bit strange just, just putting that up front in that I do high-tech world as well as low-tech, the commonality being scale-up. So when I first started in this space, it, it was much more on the high-tech side of it. And um, for years, I would have a, a ratio of 1 to 10. So one woman to <laughs> 10 men, so 10% women. That didn't matter whether I was at a conference, talking to a business. Sometimes I would be mistaken for the event organiser and then I would just completely ignore that and start talking and hope that that did the rest. In the um, sustainability space, there is a slightly higher ratio of women, which is interesting. So Cambridge has a huge problem with diversity and inclusion. 
There is some recognition of that from companies like Arm and others who are trying to address it, but it's still very much a problem in the tech space. So you support women, obviously, in entrepreneurship and STEM as well, which is quite interesting because science, technology, engineering and maths, something we're lacking in women across the globe, across the board. How do we get more women interested in these things? Yeah, well, I mean, we could talk about that for hours. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's a mixture of things. So one of last year's entrepreneurs as part of this awards programme, their enterprise is called Womenge. And they exist to address that very problem. The challenge is overcoming still some of the traditional social stereotypes. And it doesn't matter whether you're talking about engineering or or other areas where women are underrepresented. I think there are some structural problems in the world. So we've created a world that does seem to benefit men more than women when you think about family responsibilities, etc., etc. But we also have a problem with how stories are told. If we look historically, we see many men featuring quite highly, whereas women are often written out. So it's a real mixture of all of these things. We've got to get the role models. We've got to deal with some of these structural inequalities that we've got. And hopefully through doing a little bit of all of these things, we can um, start addressing the problem. Now, it does raise an intriguing question, though. And I love this question that you put to me. What would the world look like and would it look a little different if women designed more stuff? And the answer, of course, is... Yes. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Let's expand on that. I mean, wouldn't it be interesting? Yeah, so, I mean, that that question was relating to engineering, but I think we can expand on that to various other issues. So I am pregnant at the moment, and it is an intrigue to me that when I sit in my car at the moment and I do up my seatbelt... If I were to have an accident, it could be pretty catastrophic for the baby. It is not designed for pregnant women, to the point that we have developed special products you can add onto the seatbelt to try and keep it away from your bump so you would be safer in an accident. So that's one example. One basic example. Yeah, the other one, which (laughs) I will use, it's not a very sexy topic, but is toilets. So we still live in a world where at most events you will go to the ladies' toilet, there will be a queue for the toilet, you look a little bit to your left or your right, the men's toilet, there will be no queue. We know that women spend longer in a toilet. I don't need to explain the physiology of that. So why is it that when we're designing these spaces, we don't accommodate that? So still we just live in a world where women expect a queue and men don't. It's making me angry even thinking about it. The time we waste, the time we waste queuing, the time we waste ironing, washing, cleaning, cooking, clearing up. If men had to do those things, there would be all kinds of inventions. Quite. We basically solved male boldness because people can have hair plugs and things like that. But when it comes to menstrual pain, that's still a problem and it still seems a mystery to many people. So... um, Yeah, Yeah. and I I was also looking recently, many of the uh, medical trials that we have are done predominantly with men because their physiology is simpler than women. If you have women in a trial, you've also got to account for their changes in hormone levels, etc, etc. So there are all sorts of issues with... Where it's biased. 
Yeah, the way that the uh, system is designed and the inputs into that system, and unfortunately, it's still quite biased towards men. Keyboards. Some people think that keyboards are quite interesting, or, or even the position in a car seat. Some cars are designed so that as a woman who tend to be a little bit smaller, things aren't quite in the right position. So there are all sorts of little things that you start to notice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nikki. So what could the future look like if more women are into engineering, designing things, technology, if women are in charge of these things? It's a tough question to answer. I mean, we know some of the problems that we've got at the moment and some of those have been really high profile. In the tech space, we have had companies like Kinsey, Techstars and various others look at the impact on a business's bottom line, particularly we've seen that in the UK with the gender equality legislation that came in and what the effect is of uh, on a business's bottom line if it's got better diversity and inclusion, especially at the top. We can also see the same thing in startups. It's just the basics. So if you are listening to a wider group of the population, then you're going to be designing for something that is more inclusive doesn't matter whether you're looking at cars or whether you're looking at video games and appropriate content online and all that kind of stuff. So it it really goes across the board. We can't yet say whether women would actually have a different style of leadership, which then has other benefits. I'll be very honest. I, I used to find it difficult thinking around some of these issues when I was younger. I used to dismiss them completely and and largely just hope that what I was saying was enough for people to recognise that I was an expert in my own right rather than worrying about some of these issues. But as I've gotten older, I've realised how persistent some of the gender issues are, especially having children, I would say, as well. <laughs> yeah, it does, it does open your eyes a bit to that side. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Obviously, it's encouraging to hear what you're doing and the entrepreneurs that are coming forward the ideas that are hopefully They're also male entrepreneurs, I yeah. should say. Yeah. And yeah. and I think that's really important because they're they're all absolutely brilliant and um there's something about engaging with sustainability that means that your eyes are open to some of these issues. So whether they're male or female that I'm working with, they tend to be very alert to some of the issues around gender as well as poverty, climate change, etc. Well, thank you so much for coming to talk to us, Nikki. It's been a real pleasure. And uh, you've opened my eyes, actually, to a thing or two. So thank you very much. You're very welcome. Okay, Linda, new breed of entrepreneurs and innovators. Well, we've always had for the last 10 years some entrepreneurs and innovators, but now we're talking sustainability. Yes, very, very interesting lady. Um, I loved the bit where she said that she was quite tricky when she was actually working for a chemical company and she was always asking questions, you know, difficult questions, one would assume. Uh, Things like, you know, she mentioned the smoke coming out of the chimney. Yeah, I I did think the same. Very interesting. But she also mentioned ideas. Now, um, everybody has fantastic ideas when they want to bring up a new business and want to become an entrepreneur. But with every idea, as she says, you've got to scale up. You've, yes. got, to, you've got to move that idea yes. along. And that is the hardest part. It is. And there she is on hand 
to help people do that. And this is exactly what we need in mm. place. Um, she must be an absolute godsend to these entrepreneurs. And I love the fact that she said, you know, there's a crazy academics and there's a crazy yes. entrepreneurs. I mean, that really sums it up. That sums up Cambridge. And Nigeria, health kits during childbirth. Mm. Very, yes, very one of, good. One of her, I guess, clients, you could call it, doing this fantastic work out there. Mm. Shocking, really, in this day and age. Mm. that, you know, childbirth is still such a trauma in that country. I didn't realise one of the two reasons for maternal death is infection and hemorrhaging. Mm-hmm. That doesn't surprise me. Mm. It is, well, you know, it's a kind of risky business. Um, and we're very, very lucky in this country that we have such great, you know, maternity units and hospitals and such experts on hand. But, I mean, I remember having having my daughter and... If the thought of doing that with somebody that maybe just didn't quite know what they were doing and maybe didn't inspire you with any confidence, oh my goodness. And the bit about designing, if we had more women designers. I love that section yeah. of the interview. Um, I mean, absolutely correct. You know, we're, we're always joking and saying that, aren't we? That, oh, designed by men because it does, you know, it's far too high up on the wall or, you know, I mean, kitchen shelves that yep. you can't reach the top shelf unless you're about six foot tall. <laughs> 